we're going to do a short series on connecting to the heart of Father God. So, like this worship time, I'm like, oh, mate. And then Kezi doesn't know this. Who, I'm like, yep, yeah, you're totally on it. That's what's going on today. Um, uh, so there's a few of us from the leadership team going to be sharing uh, bits of our journey in terms of our connection to God as a father. And, and I'm kicking that off today, and then there's going to be probably four, maybe five weeks of different explanations and heart sharing around this. Um, and just in the worship this morning, a just delightful presence of God. I'm like, he's, he's, he just spoke to me about how he's renewing the romance. And um, I don't know if you've ever thought of your relationship with God like that, but there's romance in our relationship with him. And he loves just to sweetly come amongst us. And uh, kind of all our defenses start to go down and he just loves us. And it's just absolutely powerful and beautiful. So <clears throat> it's what he's doing today. I'm just going to try and just tune in with that as, as we talk. So uh, I want to give you some a little bit of biblical background and I'm going to tell you some of my stories of, of what God has done in me over the last little while in terms of this realm of connecting to God as my father and uh, the, the, the truth is that the whole planet needs to see God as their father and he is the author Ephesians 3 tells us that he, he, is, he is the source of all fathering one translation puts it that from him all family derives its name uh, in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. He is, Paul is praying and he says, For this reason I bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And that tells you some amazing things. Yeah. It tells you that heaven is family. Yeah. Heaven is family. If we're praying for more of heaven to come to earth, we're praying for more family as God defines it, more father to be manifest on the earth. And all fathering and all fatherhood has derived its origin from the original father who is our heavenly father. And Jesus, particularly in the book of John, but it's all through the gospels, refers to him as father, as daddy, as papa. And this was the new, this was the new thing that Jesus revealed. If you scour the Old Testament, there are maybe six references uh, directly to God as Father. There are other places you could look, particularly in the Psalms, which effect, uh, um, express that kind of affection uh, from God to us and us to God. But the actual idea that God was a good dad was something that Jesus uniquely began to reveal yeah. in his day and age. And, and actually said that... <coughs> That that was part of his purpose. And, and even the miracles revealed the nature of the Father. He actually talks about how, how he was not doing the work, but my Father's doing the work. Yeah. Um, so in that wonderful summary verse in, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, where it says that Jesus of Nazareth went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed to the devil, he's exactly re representing the nature of the Father. Yeah? So when Philip in John 14 turns to him and says, Lord, just show us the Father and we'll be happy, Jesus is somewhat disappointed and he turns to Philip and says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. And, and the book of Hebrews right at the beginning tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of God. 
So if you don't find it in him, you don't find it in the Father. And if you find it in him, you find it in the Father. So Jesus has become our lens for understanding our lens for all theology, actually. And, and, and we have this phrase of, uh, you know, we talk about theology and some of us like to feel like we maybe have a few theological bones in our body, but the idea of theology was never that it was an intellectual exercise, but theology is just, it is the study of God for the purpose of knowing and understanding Him in terms of relationship. Uh, and, and sadly, I've talked to theologians that, and, and, and sometimes they say, I say, well, you spent all this time doing this, but do you know, what did it do for your relationship? You've done your PhD, but how's your relationship with God? And they're like, well, didn't really do much for that. And I'm like, hmm, somewhat missing the point of theology if in all this wonderful uh, exploration of truth, it's not impacting our hearts. Um, but the point really I'm making is what Jesus did to, the, to, to history was, was become a living, breathing, theological expression through which all other expressions should be viewed and should be weighed. All right? And the reason, why is that important? Because he then says, I'm here and I'm showing you the Father. You maybe didn't understand that in the Old Covenant, but here I am, I'm bold, I'm large. I'm, this is clear, this is what he is like because what he is like is being... Is being breathed out through what I'm like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I thought that was really good, but we'll, we'll oh, keep going. Thanks. <laughs> Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And, and I mean, you, you read the Gospels, you guys. You know what's in there. You know how he forgave, how he healed, how he raised the dead, how he healed the sick, how, how he had this incredible relationship with his team, with the 12 apostles, how, how they, they could be themselves. They, they, could be, they, could be like, they could be jealous and they could be ambitious and they could be, they could be crazy around him. I mean, they, but also, you know, they could lean on his chest at the Last Supper you know that picture of John leaning his head on Jesus' chest? No other leader in history would have invited such intimacy from his team. You can imagine a, a general or a prime minister or a president saying, you know, come on, come on, captains, come on, generals, let's have a cuddle. I mean, this... <laughs> you just can't imagine David Cameron, you know, saying to, you know, the cabinet, you know, you know, like the pictures you get of the Last Supper and they're all kind of around Jesus and you get this thing. You imagine the sort of the Westminster cabinet, you know, there he is. And there's, there's on one side you've got, you've got the one minister leaning on his shoulder on the other side he's leaning on his chest and there's this kind of... That's never going to happen, is it? But this is the kind of environment that Jesus created. And Jesus whispers to, to John. and He always refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. And you may end up feeling like, but yeah, but Jesus, he loved the others as well. You know, John, he loved the others as well. But so was the, the affection that, that John was feeling from Jesus that he felt like he was the, you know, like I'm the special one. Yeah. And sometimes commentators can then pick that up and, and, and say that, well, he probably was a bit special in Jesus. No, I think that's just how Jesus makes everybody feel. Yeah. John was just saying it. It's like this. He made me feel like I was loved. I was the one he loved. You need to know that. We need to know. We're the one he loved. We can all lean on his chest and ask for the secrets. 
he's willing to whisper. He's willing, he's up for the cuddles. I mean, for, for guys particularly, that's like, God surely can't be like that. You know, some guys are a bit sort of stiff, aren't they? And a bit manly for... Or maybe, yeah, I wasn't going to speak for... But maybe some girls are like that too. But you kind of relax. Jesus released all this, this healing, this affection, this freedom, this environment around him because he was showing the planet for the first time in a completely accurate way what the Father was like. And if you don't, and and there's a big move in theology now to say if we don't find it in Jesus, even if we have all our verses lined up, but we can't find our doctrine expressed and and if you like, fleshed out, personified in Jesus, maybe we should question what our doctrine is. Because he is, he is the lens. He is the fulcrum. He is the focus point. He is the, he is the final and fullest revelation. and Not just the fullest, the ultimate, the full revelation of God to the planet. Amen. If it's not in him, then we've got to think again. Is, is this helping anybody? Okay, so... That's my little theology chat. <laughs> and Jesus said that in John 14 that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? Some people get offended by that. Hey, like he was saying he's the only one. Hey, thank God there is one. Yeah, well, that's a bit exclusive. What about the... I'm like, well, okay, there's good things in all sorts of branches of life. Actually, you can find truth everywhere. But what Jesus is saying, if you want to find the Father, I'm your guy. That's okay, isn't it? Well, it's such an exclusive statement. But hang on a minute. He was the one who was showing the planet the Father. Nobody else ever claimed that. No one else has ever claimed that except him. And, And he proved it both by... The life that he lived and the things that he did and the death that he died and the resurrection that he experienced, all right? So, so this isn't like, it's a bit like saying, isn't it a bit exclusive to say we're the best football team? But if you win all the cups and take all the points and beat everybody else, you are the best football team. Sorry, just thought I'd say that. I thought that was useful as well. But he came to make a way to the Father. He came, he, he, he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And this is a beautiful thing about the Trinity is here we have Jesus who is fully man but also fully God. But he's actually there to lift up, glorify, and connect you to the Dad. And the Holy Spirit's the same. This Holy Spirit's like, ah, you know, I'm here, I'm going to show you Jesus. And then we can get confused by that, but actually they're all showing you one another because they're all one and in, in that oneness they celebrate one another and lift up one another. So you have this incredible family trinity where everybody honors and celebrates the other and wants you to know, because Jesus says, oh, I'm going to send you the Spirit and getting the Spirit is better than having me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what an attitude. Isn't it cool? I'm getting off on one here. So I, 
I was listening one day to John R. Knott, and he used this verse, verse about no one comes to the Father except, except through me. And he said, the, the issue, though, is, is he the Father you want to come to? And I can remember sitting in, a, in one of our life groups here years ago, and, and we've been teaching the grace of God like forever, isn't it, until people were snoring and falling off their chairs because they'd heard it so often. What's the subject today, Andy? It's the grace of God. And, and the, uh, yeah, it was very good, and that's right now in our, in our roots. Thank God. It's a, it's a great, great reality. So I just thought that was quite funny. I had visions of... Certain people in the room going, oh, the grace of God, is there anything else? Well, yeah, but not much else. That is right at the heart. Anyway, I'll move on. <laughs> you cannot exaggerate the grace of God. We could talk about it forever and then still barely got started. <laughs> I am trying. <laughs> Um, but John Arnott said this and it, something tweaked and I talked to this our house group because in this teaching we're talking about come with confidence to the throne of grace you know come you, you're free to approach God and all this and I remember talking to this group and they were like how many how often do you do this how, how intimate is your actual relationship with, with God and people we've had quite a good culture of honesty in, in our environment all along and people were like well, you know, it's kind of here and there and up and down. And I'm, I'm like, I've been teaching this for years. <laughs> and you then go through, well, if you're like me, you're like, oh, maybe I'm not doing this right type moment. And then something dropped when John Arnott said this. He said, you can know that there is a way and that the way is free and that the way is clear and it's easy and you're invited. But if you don't want to go, you'll still stay outside. You know, you get these invites to parties and it's all razzmatazz and lots of fun stuff, but you don't like the people who are there, you make an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's free drink, there's good food, there's great music, but all those people are there, I'm not going. <laughs> now, you never say, I hate you, so I'm not coming, do you? You just say, well, I, I have another appointment that evening with the bath or something like that. <laughs> so... And so here we are, there's all these believers around the planet, like, we have free access, we're invited to the party, and we're like, we're not sure we like the dude on the throne. Because what I've become convinced of, if, as we really understand what he's like, we're, we're going to be hanging out in there all the time, because the party's amazing, and he's awesome. It's magnetic, it's, it's, it's irresistible. But our issue often is we have a view of the dude on the throne that is somewhat keeping us out rather than drawing us in. And a lot of that is connected to this thing, this thing that happens psychologically is that this is a fact that you project things onto other people. You project your view of you onto others. You project your experiences. So if you've had experiences of fathers in your life, like actual you know, physical fathers. Now, by that I mean authority figures in church life, particularly, or actual parents at home. They have created an image inside you 
that you can then be in danger, uh, which may or may be good, bad, or, or a bit of both, which you are in danger of projecting onto Heavenly Father and think, well, if that Father's like this Father, I'd, I'm not going to the party. Or I'm only giving a little bit of myself because the father I grew up with was super dangerous. He couldn't trust what he said, and etc., etc. All right, so we, we can get locked into something where there's some lies that we're believing because of what we grew up with. What our first pastor, what he said to us. But also, the source of this is also theological, which is why I touched on it is we can paint a picture as Bible teachers of a, of a God who is not that great to hang around with. You know, like, I smite thee and send thee to hell is the kind of, that you can end up feeling that's kind of maybe the first thing you're going to get from him is, a, is an ear-wigging and, and, a, and, a, and a, you know, dangled over the pit for a few hours till you sort your life out type. I'm just saying, it's out there. Don't look at me like, well, you we don't know what you're talking about. There's, there's a religious, theological bunch of concepts that can start to collide. If we've grown up in church or we've been around the kind of, you know, the fiery, judgmental idea of God, which is why I think it's so, yeah, I'm going to say this, it's so important that we understand that he's a dad before we think about him as a judge. So I'm not saying that God doesn't judge, but what is his define? So, so there's, all, there's a lots of characteristics in my life. So I, I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a church leader, I'm a husband, thank you. <laughs> thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I'm a friend, yeah, what, what else am I? I'm, a, I'm an occasional DIYer, I go to the gym. But, what, what, but there's overall things that define, define who I am. There's, there's, there's other things that, that, that I do. And God's like that. But what's his defining characters? I believe it's that he's a father. Inside that, so that the story of history is a father creating, raising, and adopting children. Not of a judge finding fault with a planet. All right? Now, inside the whole story, there is the fall and sin and the problem of sin which God then has a problem with what he deals with, deals with, but the overall heartbeat is that he's a dad wanting to, who has already created kids in his heart and mind and birthed them on the planet, and he's seeking to win them back into the family. That's what it's all about. You're not coming to first to a judge, you're coming to first to a father, which is why Jesus said, I've the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the father. But if all we hear about is sin and judgment, we end up thinking God's a judge. That, that his overriding characteristic is judge. And there's a bit of fathering in here. And he, yeah, he loves us. But basically, you go in his office, you get a whack on the backside type old school headmaster approach. It's, and that's not true. That I, that I think theologically that's off, but it's often what we've spoken about. Okay. Now, I just want to talk to you about how I've got, how I've kind of walked through some stuff with this. Um, what I'm talking to you about is coming out of, not just I read a book, but my own journey of, of how do I see the Father and who is He to me. Um, 
I think now nine years ago when this church went through to hell and back, really, and uh, some of us survived. Yay! Celebrate that. Um, and I barely survived. I think what I realized, I had a, a good season of a year, two years of not being in a very good place. And as I exited that, one of the things that I started to encounter the Father and the heart of the Father message, I started to realize that I saw God as the source and the cause of my pain. That he was harming me to make me holy. And that made me, the very thing I needed was the nourishment of his intimacy and his love. But that made me reluctant to cozy up too much. Because I'm like, and that last load of stuff was really, really rough. Ah, if walking with you with passion and commitment, which is what I was trying to do, means that, and you're the source of it, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit more semi-detached than I used to be. Do you, this, is this making sense? And, and, and I'm like, if he's the source of my pain, and I, this, is, this is, you could say that was terrible, I thought that, but that's where, where I was. And, and I, um, so that's when, I think it was Jan Treadgold gave me this CD from Kim Walker, who I'd never heard of him, and wrote a wrong name on the CD at the time. Um, I think I called her Kate, but she's definitely a Kim. That, uh, and I was in the car listening to this CD, and I could feel the Holy Spirit on, on this worship music. And I, I took it home, and I put it, and I was in a bad way, and I put it on our CD player, because I was working from home at that stage, and just started to worship. I didn't know any of the songs. But it, at the end of this thing, I'm having this encounter with God. His presence is powerfully in the room. And she starts singing that his love makes it worth it all. And I'm like, yeah, that's not true. I can't sing that. That's not how I feel. That isn't actually my experience. I can't, I can't tell you that that's... I can't sing that. That's rubbish. Uh, somehow... Somehow, and, and this is the mystery of encountering the Father, is by the time he was done, that had changed. And I was a mess of snot and tears on the floor, and I knew that his love made it worth it all, because I had an encounter with the love of God that blew me away. And something very deeply rooted inside. It was, so I'd been taught in various ways that I feel like God was the source of my pain. Now I understand that the devil is very keen to switch clothes with God. Our, our car recently had flood damage, and I rang up to make the insurance claim, and she, the woman clearly said, oh, that's because we call that an act of God. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's in insurance policies. So uh, around and about, the devil has been successful in painting God as the guy that does the bad things. Yeah. And that's how I was living. I was like, all oh, this crap has happened to me I'm living in this place of pain you sent me pain and I began to realize that the, the devil was trying to you know he appears the Bible tells us in, in, in 1 Corinthians that he loves to appear as an angel of light 
So what he's trying to do is, he's trying to tell you that he is good and God is bad. And once we agree with that, we start to, we start to assign to God characteristics that are actually not his. Uh, I hope this is helping somebody. Um, so he encountered me and took my pain away, and that made me want to be with him. And I adjusted my perspective and kept adjusting my perspective that he is a good God and he is a source of all goodness. So again, I've taught this a lot, but it's coming out of this, pot, this spot. Lots of theology, I believe, should come from encounter, not just reading a book. And I'm not, I think reading books is important. Don't misunderstand it. So I don't know if that's helping anybody. You've been in pain, you have pain. Listen, pain happens. But Jesus said it like this, that in the world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. You're like, because I have overcome the world. So he's our help in trouble. He's our victor in uh, trial and challenge. He's the winner. He's the good guy. He's our champion. <clears throat> Just ask him. Some of you are struggling with this, I know. Just ask him. Who's the good guy in my life? And then, um, I think in this, this process, I think this is, so that's, that's a theology, religion issue that God's been breaking down in my life. I think there's some upbringing issues that he's been dealing with me on. And I think, I, I just want to say this, I have a great mom and dad. and My dad particularly is now 90. Uh, my mom is uh, 88. My dad's amazing. And, and he did a good job. But no dad or mom is perfect. And there were things in, in uh, and this is something we all struggle with. How do I honor my parents and yet deal with the rubbish things that happened? Or the things they did do or they didn't do. But we, we have to be honest. Because if we don't face the, the marks that they left, we're not going to get healed up. And you say, well, my dad was a Christian. My mom was this. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome, but not perfect. The only perfect father is the one in heaven and I, I, I realized that that affirmation was a big deal for me I used to sit in meetings like this and you know pick me pick me notice me notice me it's just going on on the inside all the time I'm like, where's this coming from it's because I needed there was affirmation I needed that I hadn't got in my upbringing yeah. and it's interesting when you watch think about Jesus's life from that perspective even at the age 12, he, he's, he says to his parents when he's, he's left behind, he said, well, I'm just about my father's business. Yes. And then at least twice publicly, you hear from heaven a public declaration by the voice of God that this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. Yeah. The heavenly father knows how to affirm his kids. Yeah. And he's a, although Jesus has been with him for eternity in heaven, when he's on earth living as a man and as God, he is very deliberate about giving public affirmation to his son. Amen. And all of us need that. Amen. And in those encounter moments of God, I don't know, every time I feel the love of God on me and the presence of God on me, one of the things that you don't even need to hear it, you can feel it. It's like, mmm, he really likes me. Oh, he's for me. He's all over me. He wants to, 
He wants me in his presence and he wants to give his presence to me. That's just rich in affirmation. And, it, and it's why, it's why orphan, the orphan spirit, where Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. Orphans, orphanhood isn't the lack of parents, it's the lack of the presence of the parents. And so every person on the planet has the DNA from a, from a man and woman in order to exist. You have a mom and dad somewhere, but if they're not present in your life, then you still... In, in whatever form that is, now that can be you have them and they're in your home, but their head's somewhere else, or they're sick, or there's a divorce, or whatever, and suddenly there's an absence of the presence of parents. Yeah, and what starts to happen is the affirmation that you need to grow healthy on the inside isn't there. Heavenly Father wants to give that to you. Just like He did to Jesus, you, He wants you to hear in your soul. You are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love, and I am well pleased with you. And remember, he did that with Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. So you get that before you do anything. It's not something, well, I'm going to earn his affection. You move from a place of having his affection, his affirmation. You never need to earn it. Come on. You have it. You don't deserve it. You're given it. Like my parents love me. Because they love me. Yeah. I remember uh, Alan, oh, Alan and Sarah Harrison. Harrison, when his Desmond was born, holding him, and he, he, he posted it on Facebook. It was something like, I just love this little boy, and he's never done anything for me or to me other than, you know, fill in the blanks, you know, puke and poo and all the things that babies do. But I just have this affection and love for him. That's how the father feels about you. You're his baby kid. He put you together in your mother's womb. And it doesn't matter how many times you fall, poop, puke, or whatever, you're still his child who he has huge love and affection. He likes you. And he's always there to wipe away the stuff that's in the way. And that, that encounter and others like it just put affirmation into my soul. He loves me. He likes me. He likes how he's made me. He thinks I'm awesome. He celebrates me. He likes hanging out with me. He likes me hanging out with him. Come on, get rid of the religion. You don't have to jump through hoops or be a certain grade. This is like first grade. This is the, big, this is the heart of it all. He's a dad who gave birth to you. So he actually created you physically as well as birthed you spiritually. He is, he is the origin of you. Yeah? Someone else didn't think of you and then they thought, oh, I'll have you. He imagined you to start with. You have no other source of life. Even your parents didn't actually invent you. You're more than the sum of two lots of DNA from two human beings. Because the Bible teaches us that he made us, or he he saw us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And then he he formed us in the dark places and put us together in our mother's womb. There's a lot of God involved in making you. You're the product of his imagination 
not some one-night stand or unfortunate liaison. You're not the product of the devil. No matter how you came and arrived on the planet, you're the product of the heartbeat of the Father. Anything else is a lie that needs just breaking off your life and start to live in the good that you were created by, thought of by, you were created by and birthed by God, the Father, who took pleasure in doing it. Ephesians chapter 1, read it. It will wreck you. So here's me. I'm going through this. Affirmation. And And then I have this season where... I keep having visions and all I'm seeing is black. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what this is. And uh, so we're moving along, we're seeing healings, but I keep having like these visionary experiences and, and, and it doesn't kind of, I don't know what's going on. And uh, then we went on our sabbatical to Bethel couple of years ago, Teresa and I, for a month, and Teresa said, oh, we're out here, well, let's book in for a Sozo, that would be a wonderful idea. I'm like, I'm cool, I'm doing really well. Uh, just, just, which is a very man thing, which I'm going to come to before I end. I'm going to nail all you guys who respond like that, because you're all like me, and you need to change. <laughs> Thank God I have a wife that helped me. So she books us in for Sozo. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it'd be nice to do. And then the day gets closer. I'm like, I'm doing so well. You know, I don't want to pay the money, take the time to go for this Sozo. And she's like, we're going, we're going. Well, we get in the car, and we're even in the car park outside the Transformation Center in Bethel. And I'm like, you know, love, I'll just drop you off, and, 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 and I'll come back. Give us a call when you're done. And she's like, Andy, I, you need to go. You need to get, she's a good wife, I'll tell you. So I'm like, okay, and we're going, I'm paying my $30 or $40. It's like, I'm like, it'll be good. It's all, I'll meet Jesus, that'll be fine. And, and then we'll go and have, have lunch. So. And then we come out and, and we have a little chat and Teresa says, how, how is yours? I said, that was amazing. <laughs> and she's like, I was like, how is yours? She said, Oh, it's kind of it's okay. I said, mine was amazing. It was such a good thing that I, that I did that. <laughs> it was what a great idea I had to have a sozo while we're out here. Now, in this sozo, I, I, I thought, well, well, there is this black thing that I keep seeing. So I said, well, wonder what that is. Oh, oh, you know, lights go on. And, and anyway, in this whole encounter, I discover that that. In my upbringing, I I had a problem with protection and provision. I didn't feel protected by my earthly dad, and I didn't, although we were provided for, something inside me didn't feel provided for at key key moments. And and I have this amazing, honestly, it was amazing encounter with the Father. It was so amazing that I actually felt his hand but it, it was like 20 times bigger than mine like big fat fingers go behind my back and then he said I've got your back so I have a lot less problem with protection right now and he's working with me on the but you see how he's shifting lies he's shifting perspectives and the other thing that, hap- that happens 
out of that, I discovered if you don't feel that God is going to look after you, then, particularly for guys, we move into self-reliance, which I was playing the self-reliance card sitting in the car outside the Sozo office. Well, you know, I, I, I'm managing just fine. I'm doing really well. I'm leading a good church. I'm seeing people healed. I have a good marriage. I have four kids and I have probably then three grandchildren. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm getting my life together. I'm paying my mortgage. I haven't. I, am do, I was doing the self-reliant thing, guys. But self-reliance is the product of not relying on Heavenly Father because you don't trust Him. It's not a good thing. Well, but immediately that reaction tells me that you need help. Book a sozo and say, Teresa told me to come. <laughs> because the self-reliance thing is simply that you're relying on you because you don't trust other people, but particularly Heavenly Father. And he wants, he wants you to trust Him. He wants you to know He's a good dad who protects you, who provides for you, who affirms you. Amen? Now, everybody's story is different. You're getting, you're getting mine. And it's good. Huh. I'm going to buy my watch. I want to talk about the damage that church authority figures can do to your soul in five minutes. And then we're going to pray. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. I'm going to talk, I can tell you about what happened to me. Yeah. Um, so this is geez, five years ago, maybe more. Uh, Nick and Jan around our house. And we're just having friendly chat. And, and the four of us were in the same movement that is now not there anymore, kind of back in the ancient days, in the, in the 80s. And we were, talking about, we were talking about people that we knew and, and, you know, well, they're doing that now and all this kind of chat. And, and, and we started to talk about the guy that, that led it. And, uh, and as we're talking, I think we were on our sofa and I can't remember if there was me, then there was, Nick was sitting over there I think Nick and Teresa were there, I was here, and Jan was there. And, and we're starting to talk about, and Jan has this incredible anointing anyway for bringing people into freedom from life-controlling issues. And we weren't dealing with anything like that. Well, I didn't think we were. And suddenly we're chatting away about this, and she didn't think we were. But we were chatting away, and suddenly I'm talking about this guy, and I feel like I've got a post sticking out of my chest. I actually feel this sensation. I'm like, this is weird. So because I have Jan in the room, I'm like, Jan, I feel like I have this post sticking out of my chest. <laughs> and suddenly, I was not aware of it before, but this post is whacking everybody that gets within you know, a meter and a half of me. And she's kind of like, she's immediately on it. You know, she's in the early stages of sozo training, but she's like... So the next thing I know, she's sitting in front of me with Nick behind her and taking notes and Teresa praying in tongues. And she's sort of grabbing this thing that I can't see but I can feel and in the name of Jesus is it, I'm getting delivered and I can see this angel I don't often see 
angels, although it's changing. But I saw this angel behind her, kind of, he was pulling too. And something kind of popped out of my chest, and I realized that this thing had been keeping people out of my life, unaware. And it was down to a, a judgment that this senior leader had made about me in my formative years in ministry that they'd spoken over me in terms of what I could do, what I couldn't do, who I was and who I wasn't. And, and it's almost like I'd spent all my life trying to prove them wrong because underneath it I knew God had spoken to me and it was different to this. Yeah. And the fruit of it was I was keeping people out and I was distrusting those kind of people. And I think I was probably keeping the Father out as well because I'm like, don't get too close, don't get too close. Warning, warning. I have other stories. I've needed a lot of cleaning up, guys. But this will do for, for today, and, and, and you'll hear other people. You see, God's been getting out of me the hindrances to me just seeing him as a good, good father. Not that I just know it in my head and I can sing the song, but I actually have a relationship with him where I can feel his pleasure and I know that he's good and it's an experience, not just head knowledge. Don't just, it's not enough to tell somebody, I know that he's good. You've got to feel it. It's got to be in your bones. So I'm going to ask you to hold off on the kids for a moment and we're going to pray some prayers. Are you ready? Even if you're not, we're going to do it. Just remember, Teresa, in the car, this is going to be good for you. <laughs> you came here, you sat in that chair. This is the Holy Spirit moment for you. So I'd like you to ask the Holy Spirit, ask the, well, actually ask Father, is there anything in my life, whether it's a religious concept, a theological concept, something from my upbringing, my parents, the way that church authority figures have treated me. Is there anything in my life that's hindering me from seeing you as a good father? Just ask him, and very quickly you'll get an answer. It'll pop up, boom. It'll be there. Usually it's the first thing that kind of bubbles up from your spirit. Let's, you've got it now. So we're going to pray. So we, can you say after me, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I ask you to take away from me X. I ask you to take away from me. Come on, fill in your own blank. Yeah. Don't say X. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, turn I turn from any agreements I've made with that lie. Any agreements I've made with that lie. And I ask you to break its power right now. Hey. 
Aha. Oh, something's shifting. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, will you forgive me for partnering with that lie? didn't know the answer is yes okay here, here comes the goodies <laughs> Heavenly Father what are you giving me to replace that lie okay he's going to give you something really good it's coming to you right now <laughs> it doesn't make you happy it's not him right now <laughs> it doesn't warm your heart and thrill you it's probably not him okay so now it's heavenly father <clears throat> thank you for giving me X, whatever it is, he's given you in place of what. Come on, just say it, say it, whisper it, say it. Have it thank you for giving me this. <clears throat> and I thank you. Let's say this together. I thank you, Father, that you are a good dad. You affirm me. You like me. You protect me. You provide for me. You're for me. You're not against me. And I am the absolute treasure of your heart. Amen. Let's just stand together. He, he can take issues away just in a breath. Stuff that's been sat there, once it's identified, once it's seen, just in a just in a moment, it, it's gone. I just want to ask you, if you have, because I've, I've started to see this, if you have sickness in your life of any kind, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to ask the Father. You know, he can take away your fear. He can take away your poor view of yourself. He can take away lies. He can break down those things. And just, just as much of a breath he could take away other stuff that's wrong in your life. So I don't know, just, just if, you, if you can, if you came in, you've got some sickness in your body, just put your hand up for a moment. Okay, great. Let's, but let's all do this together, and then we maybe just get a few people around you to lay hands on you. But let's just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good. I ask you to take away X, whatever it is you're experiencing in sickness this sickness this pain this disease will you take it away from me right now what will you give me in return come on let's do it what are you going to give me in return and I don't mumble it, baby, baby. Heavenly Father, here we go. What are you giving me in return? Listen to what he says. It's there, straight away. 
sure. <laughs> There's a lot of freedom coming in this room right now. <laughs> Thank you, Father. So we, we're not going to do a big deal, but I would like you to, if you can check out what your symptoms were, then check them out. And don't go home, but come and tell us when those of you are already healed, already have some relief, come, come and tell us out here. Because the testimony of your breakthrough is going to actually strengthen your breakthrough. <laughs>